This episode of the A-List podcast is brought to you by betonline.ag and indeed.com. Welcome to a- another episode of the A-List podcast. I'm Kwani Lunas, joined by Aishra Blakely, Gary Washburn, just hours before the Celtics face the Nets. But let's take it back a notch. First of all, how are you two doing? Wonderful, Kwani. I'm wonderful. It's a beautiful day. Celtics are doing well. Michael B. Jordan got his star on the Walk of Fame. It's That's a good true. day. Shout out to Michael B. Jordan. Gary, how you feeling? That's right, Kwani. You better give him a shout out. Kwani, <laughs> I'm good. I'm not going to the soliloquies like Sharad just did. About it's a beautiful you know. day. But I'm very good. Thank you, Kwani, for asking. He loves a good soliloquy, but let's talk about the Celtics and their biggest, I think, Eastern Conference. I would, I think everyone can agree. Eastern Conference opponent right now is the Bucks. The Milwaukee Bucks are riding 16 straight wins right now. Celtics are only trailing by half a game. But who do you think right now in the East needs home court more, Milwaukee or Boston? Boston. I, I, th- I think Boston needs it more because Boston is trying to go where Milwaukee has already been. And Milwaukee knows what it's like to make this long journey and ultimately be the last team standing. And they've done it by winning on the road, winning at home. They've, they've, done, they've been where Boston is trying to get to. They've already mastered the blueprint, if you will. And to me, home court advantage, it just gives you one little extra something, something that you might need to lean on in case things don't go the way you want them to or expect them to in a playoff series. So I think the Celtics absolutely needed more, uh, if for no other reason, just to know that it's there. That if they drop a game, uh, you know, they have the ability to have that last game if they handle their business in their building. Yeah, I'd say it was the Celtics. Also, um, like Sherrod said, they, the Bucks have won a championship. And remember, too, in that championship of 21, they won two games in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. So they have won tough, difficult road games. They have snatched the hearts of play, uh, t- other teams on the road um, you know, during the, the last few years. So they're a more experienced club. And, you know, I just think the, the, the Bucks are a team that, that has no fears. Um, I think the Celtics, you'd love to have game one at home and you'd love to have the, the last game at home. So uh, I think that's important to them. And, you know, Milwaukee, I don't think anybody saw them winning 16 in a row. Um, and, we'll, and we'll see how long the streak lasts because it's, it's, I mean, they have just basically caught and pass the Celtics, not only a half a game, but, uh, you know, the Celtics need to put an emphasis on trying to finish out and get the number one seed. Right. Especially, especially because the Celtics were at the top for so long. Now I think Milwaukee is waking up and saying, Hey, we're still here. Giannis has been saying for the past few years, put some respect on my name and this team that I decided to stay with. But right now, what do you think the Celtics need to do to not even it's, at this point, it's not even about, getting past them in the regular season because they're already in the playoffs. But what do you think they need to do to make sure they are prepared for a potential matchup like one versus Milwaukee? Right, Gary. Oh, um, one, stay healthy. Two, just prepare for that matchup. You know, like get your get all the lineups ready, figure out who you're going to play, um, get your rotations, your minutes, get everything straight and organized so you're not trying to figure out in the playoffs. But um, you know, I think they're so used to familiar with Milwaukee. I don't think the Celtics fear Milwaukee either. Um, you know, and they almost beat Milwaukee with, with, with their B team. 
a couple of weeks ago. They literally probably should have won the game. If Derek White hits an open three in overtime, it's a win. Uh, so it was a shot or two from, from taking that game. Um, and into that winning streak, I think it was back then, it was like 11 or something like that. Now it's actually the 16. But um, I think that they just need to get everything tight to like keep everybody healthy, make sure the rotations, make sure the starting five that, that currently they haven't played all that many minutes together, get more minutes and, and time together and just tune, fine tune things up while at the same st- time still trying to win and get the number one seed. Yeah. I think the, the one thing I, I, I think they, they need to do more of, and they're, I think they're trending in that direction since the All-Star break, is get a better handle on what, what Missoula ball looks like. Uh, Joe Missoula, as we get closer to the playoffs, you're getting a better sense of what he wants to do in terms of X's and O's, in terms of play calling, in terms of rotation. And I think that's so important because when you get to the playoffs, the deeper you go, I think the more value your head coach and his decision-making becomes to the outcome. And Joe Missoula, I think, is definitely growing. Uh, we don't talk nearly as much about the timeout situation with him anymore because he's doing a better job of making the adjustments of when to call timeouts, when not to call timeouts, when to let his guys kind of roll through uh, you know, stretches where they're playing not so great, and when to just shut it down and, and make some adjustments. He's becoming a better coach on the fly with a team that has a chance to win a title. And I think the continued growth and evolution of him is going to be a major, major factor for the Celtics the closer they get to winning Banner 18. And Charlie, you bring up a really good point. Gary, I'd love to hear what you think Joe has grown over the last few, since he's honestly just been named head coach of this team, what has he improved on the most? Yeah, I do think he's gotten a better sense of not trying to prove that his, like, like the timeout thing, I think he's gotten better. And uh, what game was that? The Sixer game, he used all of his timeouts. Like I know, that was crazy. They finished the game with no timeouts left. So, um, you know, he's he's trying to, I think, figure that out and understand that, you know, you can try to let your team play out of the runs, but it's better just to stop, take a deep breath, maybe make a lineup switch um, as opposed to allowing a 10 nothing run turn into a 20 nothing run. So I think he's kind of more aware of that. Um, and, and, and sometimes that's what the team needs, you know, just, just a break. Um, you know, I, I think that he's, he's, he's just, he's not, you know, with the ego thing, like, you know, he didn't play Grant against Cleveland. He said it was because of matchups. He played Michael Scott. Like he's not sparing any egos. I don't know how that will translate. I'm sure guys want to, everybody wants to play. Everybody wants to play 40 minutes a game. Everybody wants to be in the game. Nobody wants to get a DNP, but I think, you know, Joe's like, listen, I'm going to do what it takes for us to win. If, Grant is undersized against Mobley and Allen. I'm not playing Grant. I'm going to stretch it for and play Muscala. If Muscala isn't fit, I'll play Blake Griffin. Like, I, I get that. And I just think that's what coaches have to do. Everything ain't nice in the NBA. And you can't, you know, pat everybody on the back and, and, and tell them to do well. Like, what you need to do is you need to play the best lineup to maximize your chances to win. And if that doesn't include certain guys certain nights, that's just the way it's going to be. So looking ahead to tonight's matchup, Friday night's matchup against the new look Nets, because when I say new look, I don't, I can't even tell you who I, is the star on this team. I, would you say it's Ben Simmons? Let's start with that. Who do you two think the star is? Because I, I, I'm not. They don't have Spencer one. <laughs> they don't have one. They don't have one. I mean, we're on the same page. 
Spencer's a good player. And Spencer's they, underrated, and though. Yeah, but the thing about this, this, this Brooklyn Nets team now is they have a number of nice, solid role positional type players who, again, if you're putting together a championship caliber team, these are the guys that are surrounding your core group. Star, yeah, not, cool. yeah and, and that's a problem if you're talking about winning a championship, which Brooklyn obviously is not talking about now. But the bigger, I think, issue for them is just getting to the damn playoffs. I mean, right now, they're six in the East, but they're six in sinking. Uh, they've lost eight of their last 10 games. They're like four games ahead of the 10th place team, which is the Washington Wizards. Uh, so they're trending in the wrong direction uh, to achieve anything even remotely close to their goals at the start of the season. And, uh, you know, they're going to play hard. They're, they're going to give good effort because that's that's how their coach is built. That's how this roster is now built. But if you're the Boston Celtics, this is a team that, yeah, they, they, they're not going to just you know, lie down and play dead and, and let you stomp on them. But at the end of the day, you need to put them down and stomp on them because you're that much better than them. Uh, and, and that, I think, is what we'll see tonight. I think that it'll be a relatively close game early on, but the Celtics, I think, will gradually pull away, win this thing by 15, 20 points. As they should. Yeah. Um, I think what they're doing is they're using uh, Mikael Bridges and Cam Johnson kind of as a one-two punch. And so uh, – Bridges' number's been very good with Brooklyn. You know, he had a 45-point game, I believe, um, last week. So uh, I, if I'm the Celtics, got to watch out for Bridges. Bridges had a good game with Phoenix when they came in and beat the Celtics. He had, think, 25 points um, last month. So if I'm um, the Celtics, you know, you got to beware. You just, you know, there's not a lot of scouting reports in terms of, like, this individual team. I mean, this team collectively, not individuals. I was just scouting reports of all the players. But, you know, I think, Jock Vaughn is working on the fly at this point with, you know, Dorian Finney-Smith and Spencer Dinwiddie, Cam Johnson and Mikael Bridges. Nick Claxton has had a good year. You know, Ben Simmons out the rotation and trying, trying to figure out what to do with him. So, I mean, Cam Thomas, you know, who knows what he, he's going to do. He's had that real scoring binge, and then they've kind of taken him out of the uh, – he's, he's kind of a member of the second unit. Now he's not really starting uh, any anymore. You know, Seth Curry is still here, and so is Joe Harris. So you got MB- capable, solid NBA players. Okay, the Celtics have done worse. <laughs> they have lost the worst teams. So they have to be very aware of this one tonight, not looking ahead to New York or the game at Cleveland. Take care of business. Make it easy on yourselves. Not have to sweat it out and play Tatum and Brown 40 minutes and then get ready for that game on Sunday against the Knicks. This might be a too big of a big picture question, but do you think a NBA team needs a superstar to win a championship? In this day and age, um, I would say, yeah, uh, because I just think that when you look at the overall talent in the NBA, there's such parity that when you have guys that are a clear notch above, maybe two, three notches above the masses, that's the difference between your team winning a championship or not. I don't think you'll see the days of, you know, like when the Detroit Pistons won it in 2004, where they really didn't have a guy that you would say was in the NBA's top 25 at that point. I don't think you're going to see teams have the kind of success uh, that they had. Uh, I think there are teams that are going to be very good and be very challenging and be competitive. But at the end of the day, you're going to need a ultimate difference maker to get over the hump. You look at the teams that have won championships, Golden State, you look at, you know, uh, the Toronto Raptors with Kawhi Leonard, you know, a couple of years ago. You look at Milwaukee with Giannis. There's a clear pattern where the best player on the floor 
plays for the winning team and not the top three, three of the top four, not four of the top five. The best player typically wins a playoff series uh, or his team, I should say. And, and that to me is why if you're the Boston Celtics, you love your team now because you've got two guys who can literally be the best player on the floor any given night. And more nice than not, those two guys, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, are two of the top three players every night. So, uh, yeah, I absolutely believe you got to have a star, at least one. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that. I also think if you have the right circumstances, like you pointed out, the 04 Pistons, where you have everybody has a role, everybody plays that role, you get good years from guys coming off the bench that you could be a very good team. I mean, now, can Mikael Bridges be the best player in a championship team? No. But with Bridges, Cam Johnson, you know, Dinwiddie, Claxton at the rim, like, you've got enough talent, Joe Harris and Seth Curry, like, you've got enough talent to where they can win their share of games um, and be competitive. But, yeah, like, I do think you need that superstar, you know, Durant, uh, you know, if somebody might include Kyrie Irving in that, you know, or when they try to get James Harden, had that three big new big three in Brooklyn, like that didn't work out. But I do think you need star power in this league. This is a star driven league. Um, but with the right circumstances, I think you can have a team competitive without with a, with kind of a not a mega star, but like a star, um, you know, kind of a star, you know, that type of thing. A guy who might be on the verge of an all star team. Yeah, my star. Yeah, yeah. If you have guys who like can help him, if you have like a guy who's kind of close to him, do we have kind of a smaller one, two punch? Like Bridges is a guy who could make eventually all star team um, because of his he's a two way player. Johnson's a good two way player. Like if you could put those together, and 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 you're just so deep, you know what I'm saying? It could do it, but mostly no. You you, you that can't happen. You you need a superstar. All right, let's quickly go around the NBA because, as usual, our favorite soap opera, that is the National Basketball Association, had some drama over the past week. And one of the bigger stories is the fact that John Morant allegedly accused uh, is accused of having a weapon on his body. And I just re react to the story. If you did not read about it, just I would I would say just go search what John Morant did this week. Yeah, John Morant did not. He had the best and worst of weeks. The good news is you got that deal with Powerade. You're the face yeah. of the drink. The bad the young, news. The young is, NBA star. Yeah, the bad news is you might be catching a case. Same week. Uh, well and <laughs> and I'm, I'm glad that is what we call bad for business uh, when you're having that kind of week. And, and, and again, John Morant, an incredibly talented player, uh, certainly, when you talk about future stars of the NBA, he is one of those names, one of those players who immediately enters that conversation. And this is the kind of this is the kind of thing that can absolutely derail any and all momentum that he has going forward. Uh, and if you're Memphis, your your biggest concern is this becomes a distraction to your team, and it impacts what happens on the floor. Uh, but John Moran, hopefully, once all this is sorted out, he will learn. Uh, a lesson from this. And to me, the, the biggest lesson for him to learn is understand that when you become a big time talent in a not so big time market, you open yourself up to this kind of stuff. So you got to be smarter about who you associate with, who your, your inner circle is, and most important, 
who you deal with that's not in that inner circle. I mean, I don't know anything about the person that that he allegedly did whatever to, but I do know Security that. Guard, I small, yeah, yeah, I do know that that person they ain't put no bread in his pocket. They're not going to help him become sure. a basketball better basketball player. They're not part of his inner circle, and they're not. They're literally someone that he does not have to deal with. And when you're putting yourself in a position where you're bringing drama not only to your team but to your livelihood, and mm-hmm. maybe most important to me, to your bag, because your bag might be a little bit lighter because of this. Uh, you better believe that Power Eight is watching closely to see how this plays out because they will absolutely pull a Lucy and Charlie Brown your ass and, and just you think you about to kick you about to kick kick it with the family get the big bag next thing you know you flat on your back with no money in your pocket. Jabba Gary loves the Charlotte analogy. Be be careful. Be better. Be more Don't careful going for bag, What what did yeah. um. Yeah, Marshawn Lynch said, "Take care of your chicken." Take care of your chicken. Shout out to Gary's fellow Cal Covey, Marshawn. Hey, and and your men, and my your second mentor. favorite Cal alum. <laughs> yeah, he's a good Take guy. Care of One of my favorites. Uh, I mean, I think I think Josh gotta understand that you know people are gonna target him, but he but the whole like hanging around a bunch of dudes and. Being, you know, like trying to be a tough guy, like you're an NBA, hard. Like, yeah, yeah, like you're an NBA player, okay? Like, and I and and we've all covered, and we all known dudes that have kind of blurred the lines between being a street dude and being an NBA player. And sometimes we've known examples of guys who, even though they make the NBA, even though they make lots of money, they're still street dudes. They still kind of associate and identify with being in the hood, doing hood things being around hood hood cats who, you know, might not have the best interest at heart that, that just, you know, want to be, want some smoke, you know? And so Ja has to, to learn now there's, there's this, this, this example that we read in the Washington Post story. Also the situation with the Indiana Pacers where, you know, somebody was shining a light on one of the Pacers staff members because it was trash talk during the game. Like Ja's got to understand, like, you know, you're young, you're rich, you're successful. People love you. You can watch yourself on TV dunking on people. It's great. You can't be intoxicated with the success and you can't think you're invincible, right? You can't, you know, you can't be dabble in that. One, it's dangerous. Just ask Tupac, right? Tupac, and, and this is before, you know, use a little baby, <laughs> Kwani. But, I know about Tupac's story. No, I know, right. you know, I know you don't watch. I know you watch. I know you watch the movie. Uh, <laughs> you watch the movie and all that, but Tupac was 24, 25 years old and started to get involved in the street life. These streets don't care about you, right? Mm-hmm. Like the, the streets don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've and, seen that countless time was rap- Nipsey Hustle. Like, yeah, like the streets don't care. Pop like, smoke, right? They're a hater. Will, somebody will do something to you and not worry about it. Yeah, like, exactly. you know what I'm saying? Like, and take your life or try to take your life or somebody will match your smoke with more smoke. Like mm-hmm. you're an MB, you're a target naturally. And I think Ja has to understand like, and, and Memphis is no joke of a city. Okay. Memphis mm-hmm. is not to be played with. Um, I don't care where you, you know, Memphis is a, Memphis is a tough city. Okay. I have family that lives in, I have family that lives in Memphis. Like Memphis is, it's got its good parts, but you know, you can't be doing too much. And I think this hopefully is a wake-up call. And it's not like, you know, Ja's dad's courtside every game. Like, it's not like Ja suffers from, like, 
man, I don't have no parents. I'm like, yeah, your dad is sitting there, of course, like every game in shades, chilling. Your mom is like, you ain't coming from nothing, you know, just stop it, with, to make yeah, it all stop it with the like, you know, that's what disappoints me. It's like, you know, like the whole narrative of like, you know, I had it hard and uh, like people love to say that and ain't really about that life. They didn't, they weren't like that. It's okay. It's okay to say my parents are all both functional, successful. They raised yeah, me well. No, I'm not good. street. Like, let's see I'm not street. It's Crazy. okay to say that because, you know, instead of perpetrating. And I just think, you look at John, it's like, yeah, I'm sure John's a tough guy. I'm sure he ready to drop, you know, throw down and, and fight when he needs to or whatever. But you surrounding yourself with a bunch of dudes that, like, don't have your best interests at heart. He has, a, he has a child. Like, what are you doing fighting guys at pickup basketball games? What are you doing? What are you like? Some of that, somebody needs, and if it's his, hopefully it's his father, like, Ja, you done done too much. Chill. You're killing your brand. You're killing your reputation. And you don't want something to happen. You know, and so I, I just think Ja's got to step up and be a man. Like, just because you, just because you, these guys look like men, some, some of them aren't men yet. Some of them got to grow up. They got to figure things out and quit trying to front. I know you listen to all the music and everybody has haters. Everybody came from absolutely nothing in the projects. Like, that's not true. This just ain't true. You know, it's like, you know, some of these kids, folks, it is okay to come from a two-parent home. It's okay to come where your dad's in the, in the picture. That don't make you yeah. soft. That's yeah. ridiculous. That's ridiculous. And it, and it and for some of us who grew up with single parent homes, it makes me feel like 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 I would have loved to have grown up with a with a two parent home. Like you know what I'm saying? Quit perpetrating like you got it. Like you're not that guy. Jaws dad was at the draft with him, sitting courtside every game. Like where's the like like child? You're not straight up ghetto hood. You know like you know like stop that. I'm not saying he's not tough. I'm not saying he's soft, but quit trying to be, and, and that's an athlete, quit trying to be got people that you're not, images and rappers and stuff that, like, talk about the life, but they're not living the life. Right. Like, they're not, that's not their real life. They're talking about an image. And I think Josh trying to portray, like, I'm tough. Okay, we get a job. You don't play that. But you got to make better decisions. You're a multimillionaire. Like, you got to act like that. No, I love that you said that because – let's be honest, the NFL and the NBA, whether they want to admit it or not, they definitely capitalize off of the single parent narrative. And there's nothing wrong with you being able to be successful from it, but it also shouldn't be the be all end all of you being able to make it to the league or you having enough grit on your shoulder to be a successful athlete. Like, I love that you, you just well said, like, I, I think that needs to be said more because the NFL draft is so good at like, just bringing that tearjerker story. And it's like, all right, what about that middle-class kid that just happens to be really good at football? Yeah, it's fathers that are around. Yeah. You might not be married to the mom, but there's dads that are around that exactly. are in your child's lives or whatever. Like, we, we got to stop that. We got to stop these dudes from thinking, I've got to identify with the streets and I've got to be run with a crew of dudes right. and the killers in order for me to get my respect around here. Like, Jai, you get respect. You you know, ain't nobody trying to disrespect. And if they are, they're oh. clowns. Just, you know, you want to do that? Pull out your paycheck stuff. See what happens. Like, right, they ain't going to say know, nothing. Like, like Ice Cube said, let's take big bank, take little bank. You know? I mean, if you, if, if you know, do that. And then I said, Sherrod's been there. He's seen dudes uh, 
people get heckled by the fans. Oh, okay. Well, I made eight, uh, 18 million this year. How much you made? Okay, yeah. I'm gonna be right back on the court and ball, and you sit with you know. So I just think there's different ways to do it, and I think Ja and you know hopefully for him and other young NBA players have to learn that this is not um, this is this is not the way. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Any words on that, Sherrod? Nah, G Money sucked all the air and oxygen out of that one. No, he said it But the bottom line in, in all of this is that you need to be an absolute assassin on the basketball court, period. You do that, all the respect and props are going to come your way. Look at Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant wasn't a thug. He wasn't no hood rat. But guess what? He would bust your ass when he got between the lines. And you respected him for that. And, Ja, that's the thing that, to me, is so mind-boggling. People respect his game because Already. he's good. That's, yeah. if, if, that's, where your, that's where your street career comes from. Not what you do in the streets, but what you do on that damn basketball court. Uh, he has to embrace the fact that he's a basketball player who's phenom- extremely talented and stay in your lane while you do it. You don't need to be a thug to have thugs like you. You don't. Kobe Bryant had a great career. You can go down the line, Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan. The greats don't have to be part of that life to get respect from those who are living that life. Um, and and ja, I, I hope this is a lesson for him that, yo, I just got to be smarter going forward about some of the decisions I make and some of the people that I, I, I have in my inner circle because I, he needs to he needs to start thinking more like a business and not just some not just a basketball player because he is a business. You He's are a man. Player. I see so, the bars, JV. I'm a businessman. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we got Jay-Z quotes up here. We got Ice Cube. Look at this. He just needs to find a mentor somewhere, and he I think he'll be good. But until next week, this has been the A-List Podcast. On that episode, we'll talk a little bit more about the Western Conference, LeBron James's injury, and what that means for the league overall. But for HR Blakely and Kwani, um, and of course, Kwani Lunas, Gary Washburn, this is the A-List Podcast. Thank you for listening.